Yes, haha, <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. Thirty-one years ago, uh, I heard this message read out by John Ziegler, president of the National Hockey League. The Board of Governors is pleased and proud to announce today that they have granted conditional franchises beginning in the 1992-93 season to the applicants representing the City of Ottawa and Tampa Bay. It was a great moment for the City of Ottawa and also for Tampa Bay. Hi, everybody. This is Bruce Firestone. I'm the founder of the Ottawa Senators. I wanted to thank everybody today for 30 years of amazing support, fans and corporate sponsors and, and so many others. I, I, the, the list is endless. And I wanted to also thank uh, Taylor Gibson for inviting me to uh, appear on, uh, uh, on his podcast. It's now in season five. It's the third line plug, Senscast. Those days in the early 90s were really quite wild. Uh, Canada was losing two teams, you know, the Quebec Nordiques, which we still haven't seen a return, and of course the Winnipeg Jets, which have uh, come back. So we've seen so much. Uh, we've been up, we've been down, we made the Stanley Cup finals. It, it's been quite the ride uh, for fans and for me personally, and I, I'm looking forward uh, to seeing fans back in the building and hopefully seeing a, a, a really great year of Sens hockey. Certainly they ended up year last year doing much much better i i really like some of our young players that young german player our defenseman uh, some some of our assistant captains you know who i'm talking about these are fantastic uh, young uh, people something happened when we uh, got the the senators it, it kind of put auto on the map for uh, young people who listen to these podcasts you won't know that really before the sen's arrival the the city of ottawa was not very well known I, i'm sure three quarters of americans thought it was ottawa kansas not ottawa canada and if they thought there was a capital in canada if they thought about us at all it was either montreal or toronto so hopefully one day we're going to see uh you, you know, a parade, a victory parade down uh, down Elgin Street, and we'll, we'll celebrate a Stanley Cup. You know, uh, people think the Maple Leafs have waited a long time for a Stanley Cup winner, their last one being in 1967. But the last Stanley Cup winner for the Ottawa Senators was 1927. So we've been waiting even longer. So anyway, I hope, I'm hoping again, before I get too much older, I'm going to be 70 this year. I was 39 or 40 when we got the team. Uh, and we still haven't got a Stanley Cup in the modern era. And certainly some of my friends in, in Tampa, uh, every time they win another Stanley Cup, they, they go Tampa 1, Ottawa 0, Tampa 2, Ottawa 0, and Tampa 3. Now Ottawa still uh, at 0. So go Sens, go. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug, Senscast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. 
Joining me as always from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensen. Tim, happy Canadian Thanksgiving, bud. How are things going? Good, good. I'm going to be baking my first large turkey because we're going to be having some folks over and it's going to be good. Don't worry, Jason Kenny, if you're listening, it's within the letter of the law. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that you include that. I like that. It's a nice little disclaimer for the listeners. I was going to ask, given that it is Thanksgiving, have you ever, just out of curiosity, have you ever deep fried a turkey? No. I've tried it years ago. Actually pretty good. It actually holds a lot of the flavor in you. You would think, right, because it's deep fried that it wouldn't hold a lot of juices, a lot of flavor, but no, it was a pretty juicy bird. Well, it's like I've always, I've always been a little curious of the people who will like, throw the turkey in the garbage can like what they'll do is they'll get a new garbage can put oil in it throw the turkey in and then heat the turkey over a fire and deep fry it that way see that's risky just because it depends on the garbage can right if it's a it's a metal one which a lot of garbage cans aren't anymore they're all plastic that would imagine that's a that's a fire hazard right there if that oh yeah it's always a metal one right because uh the plastic one would also leach yes exactly So, Tim, I am really, really excited to get together today because today's episode is our season five preview show. Now, before we go any further, I actually want to give a quick shout to Dr. Bruce Firestone and give him a big thank you for including that spoken word segment in the opening of this episode. That was awesome. Like, I can't believe that he came through for us in a big, bad way. And it's just great. And honestly, we'll talk a little bit about this later, given that this is the quote unquote 30th season for the Ottawa Senators. We'll talk a little bit in a bit, but this is the episode where honestly, we got a lot of stuff to talk about, not just for the Ottawa Senators, but third line plug in general. And the first thing I want to do is thank the listeners, because honestly, I don't know how you feel in this, but it's so surreal when I said, season five that's yeah. nuts well it's like i can't believe like it's been yeah it's been almost five years now since we started doing those practice episodes back at the beginning of 2017 right mm-hmm. and all that crazy stuff that we've been able to do along the way and really it is the listeners that enable us to do this sort of stuff right <laughs> absolutely absolutely and i know here on the show like we always joke about our listener adam But, you know, it's true. I mean, and even the people who comment on Twitter, and I know I keep saying this every time that somebody interacts with us on Twitter, is that I'm always kind of still shocked that people listen to us. And that's weird, right? Because, and I was thinking about this the other day, is when we started the show four and a half years ago, there was nothing in the way of Sense Podcast. There really was, what, Sense Call-Ups, and cost per point cast really think that was it and there was like the organization did a few episodes of an official one mm-hmm. like yeah that was there was nothing there wasn't and then you see how far along that well let's see i owe everybody a beer right there because my phone went off but that's not the point yeah. but you know i was just thinking about that like you see how far like the community has come how far that since podcasts have come when you think of like future sickos new era sends internal budget you know, that Sensenial podcast, you see all these shows popping up and that's really cool. Like that's all happening in the last four years. Well, it's funny because like when we decided to be like, yes, this is when we're doing the podcast, we kind of jumped in it. Like maybe not the very beginning of a transition, but it was like the move away from blogs and into podcasts. Because like 
on the other end of that, you've seen like a lot of the blogs like Black Aces or uh, Welcome to Your Carlos and you start to slow down or disappear. Yeah, Bong Smollett. Bong Smollett. The only blogs I really still follow are uh, Silver Seven Cents and Sense Trip. It's true. And you know what? Given that we you just mentioned Sense Trip, who would have thought four and a half years ago Sense Trip would follow us on Twitter? Yeah. It's amazing, right? And that was the one that still kind of shocked me when I was looking in the notifications to see Sendshirt followed you. And I was like, uh, what? Well, I think that's the sign that we, we've we really made it, right? It's so true. It is so true. And that's a moment that's that's a good for you moment. That's amazing, eh? Yeah, it's like we're actually part of this thing now. And well, like that's one of the, the moments that kind of really made it real between that talking with Ian Mendez and uh, noodles multiple times talking with Bruce Firestone and having Bruce Firestone cut a cut an opening. Yeah. Like, wow. And it wasn't, and he wasn't even like, eh, you know, we'll see. It was, wow. That's how cool is that? What do you want me to say? And I sent him the promo and I mean, in fairness, it wasn't word to word what I wrote, but the fact that he made it his own, I listened back to it. And I was like, that's pretty cool. The fact that he included what, John Ziegler said, and he just went off and he did his own thing with it. And it was fantastic. But even looking back and you're right. Like we talked with noodles, Ian Mendez, Bruce Firestone. We got to interview Ron Tognut. We got to talk with some of like really big names on the show. And those moments are still surreal. And I talk with, I, I say this to people all the time when I'm like, yeah, we interviewed this person, this person, this person. And it dawns on me. there, like, holy shit. We've actually talked to all of these people. Yeah. And so I guess I, sky's the limit, right? Exactly. And I mean, you know what? And given that we are in our fifth season and we got some big plans for season five and we'll talk a little bit in a bit, but before we do that, Tim, it's actually been a little while since we really have talked on the show. And I know when we last were on the podcast, it was when we did our season preview show mm-hmm. and a huge thank you to everybody who agreed to do that from Ian Mendes to Chris Katugas to Mark Allred you know, to Matthew Estevez, it was amazing. And going back and listening to them, it was like, wow. That And you got to realize, and I've said this on the podcast, the amount of work that goes into this is crazy. A lot of people would not realize that. And I keep mentioning that. And even last year I said, listen, we're not doing this again. And then we did it again. Ridiculous. <laughs> You're absolutely right. We went and did it again. And it, it was like, great. it's three hours of editing. Each episode. At least. Yeah. At least you got to realize the last episode was th- over three hours. That's the single longest episode we've ever done. Yeah. It's like, I remember like editing a three hour episode for Wild Wild Voice, which is like, uh, and then we did two of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was the thing. And I'll even say this on the t- show, Tim, like that was one of the biggest compliments you've ever given me was when you started Wild Wild Voice and you started editing the episodes and you're like, I did not realize how much work Tay puts into these episodes until now. Yeah. And I was like, oh, thanks, Tim. Yeah. I could have told you that. But... <laughs> well, it's like you never know until you do it. Exactly. Because, like, I'm not sure the exact multiple for you, but I think I probably put in at least one and a half to two times as much editing episodes as I do recording them. Mm. Oh, 100%. And I yeah. mean, and I always tell people this when it comes to the podcast is that, Recording the podcast is the easiest part to do, but you, yep. you've got to realize the, all the work that goes into it. You've got to write top of the hour. You've got to watch the game. You've got to make the notes. You've got to 
edit the episode. You got to upload it, do everything behind the scenes. You got to place it. You got to promote it. Yeah. And we've been very lucky, you know, with the National Podcast Network, like they've been really helpful in promoting our stuff and the listeners who retweet it and they like our stuff. And that's cool. I mean, I, I really, I could go on and on and on about this, but like I said, like it has been such a long, long time since we last talked. And one thing I love to do, Tim, is I like to get a little bit of an update for our listeners on what we've actually been up to, because it, honestly, really the last time we talked on the pro- program was in like what? mid late july something like that yeah did i mention the barbecue that i had this summer no yeah so i finally i did mention that i bought the charcoal grill right i think you yeah might have mentioned along the way i might have mentioned that along the way so i ended up buying a charcoal barbecue and uh, learned how to use it and that thing's awesome holy shit yeah yeah it's like the only thing the only issue i really have with it is it takes a while charcoal takes forever to heat up like that's the only issue I have with it, but like it cooks stuff really nice and it gets that really nice smoky flavor and everything. So I ended up having a bar, like finally had my housewarming party literally almost a year after we bought it. I bought the house and uh, yeah, I was able to just on one rep on one bucket of charcoal. So like, I didn't even have to do like a dish emergency ads or anything like that. I managed to cook like I want to say about 24 hamburgers, 12 hot dogs, a bunch of corn, potatoes, all like pretty much everything. And it was just like, bang, 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 bang. Yeah. Well, so, how, yeah. Long, how long did it take to warm up a charcoal barbecue? About, about, thir- about okay. 20 minutes to get the charcoal heated and another 10 or so to get the grill to about 500. So yeah, it takes about 30, 35 minutes to heat. Okay, so basically it's a labor of love is what you're saying when you have to do stuff like this. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, it's like, it does taste really good. That's the thing. I I think I've maybe had a charcoal grilled burger once in my life. Because honestly, the, any yeah. kind of burger, any kind of steak has always been done on a barbecue, right? So mm-hmm. on a propane one. So for me, I've never really had that experience of eating one off of a charcoal or a mesquite kind of well, grill. Next time you're in Calgary, you're going to have to try it. Yes. And next time I'm in Calgary, I'm going to have to come crash at your place. And enjoy yeah. that you. Well, it's so, and like the, the other nice thing about the charcoal grills is you get a really good charcoal grill for a fraction of the cost of the gas grills. And they're much less of a pain in the ass to deal with. That's true because you're not really working with any moving parts. You're essentially throwing stones in. Turn uh-huh. Setting them on fire. Exactly. Like, do you use like, uh, like, is there lighter fluid or anything that you use for it? I use a lighter cube. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I don't even like most charcoal brands will actually tell you not to use lighter fluid oh. because you have a higher chance of setting yourself on fire than the charcoal. Yeah. So it's kind of like what was it in The Simpsons when Homer did that? Yeah. He had like three cans and he just lit it. Was it pretty much? Uh, yeah. So. As far as like house stuff and charcoal barbecue stuff, like that's been fantastic. Actually, Chelsea and I built a little patio for the grill as well. Yeah. So, so uh, that actually made grilling pretty nice as well because I just get a stable place. We got a little cart that I can hang the tools off and it's really great. Um, the other thing I've been doing a lot of is uh, more, more of my own podcast, Wild Wild Weiss. Uh, it's funny, it's kind of morphed into an interview show. So uh, we've managed to get... Uh, like a bunch of the top players have uh, come on the show for interviews and uh, we're doing another big one. I'm recording another one, big one next week. So uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. 
yeah, it's funny. It's kind of started out being like really about the game. Then it kind of morphed more into about the people playing the game. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I kind of realized that's what I wanted it to be in the first place. Right. It just kind of took a while for it to get to that place. Yeah. Like, you know how it kind of took us about a year to kind of find our footing. Mm-hmm. Like, remember what we used to do those insane top of the hours. Yeah. And then we realized, no, that's not what we are. No, because it was like just any story that I could find. Like, hey, look at this story. And you're literally looking at me like, why are we talking about this, dude? Like, this is not NHL related. And you're absolutely right. It did take a while. Like, if our listeners go back, listen to anything from season one. Those top of the hours were longer than the actual. It was over an hour. Just just top of the hour. And, like, I remember we were talking about, like, ECHL transactions at one point. I'm just like what the fuck does this have to do with anything? I know, it's like minor league stuff, beer <laughs> leaguers having heart attacks, stuff like that, right? It was just like, yeah, and you're right. It, it did take us a while, but I think after a while, I think it was just for myself because I was just like, I got tired and I got so bored of writing so much stuff and it's just like, okay, let's just focus on the NHL stuff and you're just like, why, why were we not doing this before, dude? Come yeah. On. Well, remember there were definitely stories where you're like, here's the story. Next. Yeah. Like, I think there was like a, an episode in like February, like one of the Februarys where I'm just like, that's a cool story. Next. Yeah. That was pretty much in our trade deadline episode, right? Where it was just like, this trade happened. Next. This trade also happened. Next. Next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or to quote um, Ariana Grande, thank you. Next. Thank you. Next. Yeah. Other than that, uh, I learned, finally got around to learn to drive and yeah, that's kind of been about it. Okay. So it's been, in, it's been interesting, busy, but good stuff. And uh, I heard you finally got to go to a hockey game. I did. I did finally get to go to a hockey game last night. And it was one of these things where, you know, because of COVID, I wasn't able to go to hockey games for a couple of years now. And when the Victoria Royals WHL team announced that, they were going to allow fans back in the building, but you know, they had the restrictions. You had to wear a mask while sitting in in the building. I don't think there was anything about social distancing in the building, but there definitely was, you had to have a mask. You had to have vaccinated passports all that in the building. So yeah, I was going to go with my dad and that ended up not happening. So I took one of my friends from work and it was a great time. You know, we Mm. went to the game last night and that was a bullshit game. Not to say Victoria should have won that because they Victoria should have won. No, they shouldn't have. (laughs) They didn't. They lost six to four to the Rockets, but it was one of those games where there were so many penalties that should have gone against Kelowna and they were blatantly missed. And the whole fence, there's like 2000 people in the building, right? And they are just livid. Oh, they were so mad. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, what? How did you miss that ref? Like Jesus. And my friend sitting next to me and she's just like, what the fuck, dude? Because she was not expecting that, right? So, but actually it's kind of a side story here because I know my friend Katrina, Katrina, she actually listened to the (laughs) podcast. I know she's a big Flames fan, but she listens to our podcast. So she was driving to school. She goes to school in Nanaimo. So she's driving up to school and she's listening to our season preview show with the Canadian teams. And she was listening to Katuga's talk. Now Katuga's on the segment, it didn't come in super loud. No, not much I can do about that. So she had her phone and the stereo cranked trying to hear what he's saying. 
And as soon as he stopped talking, the Sen's goal horn went off and it scared the shit out of her. And she's just like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ, hey. <laughs> and she was at a red light. And the person next to her got fucking startled. They're like, oh, Jesus. And she turned the radio down and she messaged me. And she's just like, do you realize I almost could have got into an accident? And I started laughing. I'm just like, that's amazing. Yeah, oh, there's so only good. so much you can do with the audio levels. I know. <laughs> it was great. I couldn't stop laughing. I was just like, that's that's amazing. But she did like the episode, so yeah, that was yeah. really great. But yeah, no, the game was fun. It was so fun to go to a game once again. And I know that the Vancouver Canucks tickets have gone on sale. And I will be purchasing some tickets to go see the Ottawa Senators January 8th when they come to Vancouver. I've got my front row. Well, okay, third row back tickets. Nice. How much did that put you back? Uh, I think I only actually paid like 200 bucks for them. For both? Yeah. Not bad, man. Not bad. Well, because I know in um, in Alberta, they're doing kind of like an auto Ontario, Quebec. Not, no, we have full capacity. Not, not, sorry, not Quebec. I think it's Montreal, Vancouver. They're the only two teams that aren't doing full capacities in the stadium. But, yeah. you know, it'll be interesting. It'll, I'm... I'm definitely looking forward to go see another Sens Canucks game. Hopefully we win. Hopefully pretty Chuck's there. So one of the things I actually got up to Tim, and you were talking about your podcast, you know, here on the show is sometimes I would go off on 10 minute rants about a movie or music or whatever. And you suggested to me that I should just start a second podcast. Yep. I started that second podcast. And I think, for me, that was one of the reasons why we didn't do anything in August. Cause I said to you, I said, look, we could do something in August, but I really want to start this podcast up. So my second podcast is on YouTube and it's called the great white experience is a show where I look at anything and everything of interest. And I've only done three episodes of it. The last episode was, I did a look back on nevermind by Nirvana mm-hmm. 30 years after the fact, cause the album turned 30 years old on September 25th. My dad came on the podcast he and I talked about the album. It's like a almost two, two and a half hour podcast. It was great. And honestly, and that was an episode I really wanted to do. I, cause I love the album so much. I wouldn't call myself the biggest Nirvana fan in the world, but I really, really love that album. It means so much to me. It means so much in how much, how my musical taste and everything is shaped. Mm. So getting a chance to sit down and I talked with my dad about grunge and we talked about the Nirvana's legacy and the album itself. And it was great. But we also got to do two other episodes. My first episode, I finally got to do my ode to Kevin Smith. The man that inspired me to want to get into podcasting. I did one on my favorite Kevin Smith movies. And the second episode, and I know you know this very well, Tim. (laughs) I did an episode on Nintendo 64 classic Wishlist. And you, my friend, were gracious enough to come on the podcast we talked about games. We talked about our members of the N64. It was a great time. I had a lot of fun. Did you see that they ended up getting, uh, sorry, Nintendo ended up actually doing a streaming service for the N64 games there? I did. I read that yesterday, actually. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. And now I didn't get a chance to read all the games. I think uh, there's obviously the big ones like Mario 64. Uh, what was also on there? I think Mario Kart, whatever. But I saw Winbad or Winback. That was a game I actually considered putting on the N64 Classics wishlist episode merely because the one game the N64 lost was Metal Gear Solid. 
that was kind of their Metal Gear Solid, right? Was that kind of like third person stealth action game, you know, whatever it was. I I've, I have it. I've played a little bit of it. It's not doesn't not hold up. Like, a lot of the N64 games from that time does not hold up, but that's not here there anywhere. And honestly, like I said, there's so many things that we could talk about here. We're going to move along here. Now, given that we already gave our thoughts on reaching five seasons and everything that we've put into this podcast, the only thing I can do right now, Tim, is announce our cover athlete for our season five season opener in chronological order, episode 96. Now, I put out a poll. The poll was about Ottawa Senators memes. We had some good ones. We had You're an Expert, Borokov, Sensicos. And I am proud to admit, Tim, and I'm proud to announce Andy Sutton's You're an Expert will be the cover athlete for our season five opener. Beauty. This honestly is not a shocker at all. When I put that in this, I bet I said to myself, I bet you that's going to win. Well, I think it's like it's the one that we reference so often that I can only imagine that like the folks that voted in the poll were just like, you know what? This is what they want. Yeah, it honestly was. You know, you got to give the people what you what they want. Right. And honestly, I was kind of hoping this would win, too, because it's one of the only clips that is on YouTube that I watch. But you know what I really regret, Tim? When we had Ian Mendez on last time, why did we not ask him who that reporter was? We've had him on twice. Yeah. Yeah, instead we'll do it asked, next time. Instead of, I asked about Mark Madden, who did, by the way, did an amazing interview with Spit and Chicklets. He is so polarizing because he's just this big, fat fucking guy on Twitter and in the Pittsburgh media. And he he is very opinionated. There's no two ways about that. Like he goes on about the Pittsburgh Steelers and baseball. Like he's such a hockey guy, and yet he hates every other sport in that city. So <laughs> who could blame him, right? Like who the fuck wants to be a Pirates fan anyway? But and that's not there anywhere, Tim. Just fucking Pirates, goddamn. So true, man. Like the Pirates, they're just garbage. But honestly, I think the season is going to be great, though, man, because we do have some great cover athletes coming up. And given that we're rolling into the 100s now, you know, we can actually start talking about players that we watched, that we grew up knowing, and give us stuff to talk about. Because the last several cover athletes were literally looking at each other like, eh, he was a guy that played for us. Didn't one of us just suggest skipping up, like, the 80s in general? I think that was you. I think you suggested <laughs> that. I think you're just like, can we just skip the 80s? And I was like, no, no, we can't. Because, you know, you have Ron Hainsey and uh, who else was that? Alish Hemsky. I think we had Laton Dress in there. Laton Dress. Corey Conacher could have been one for 89. It was just like, just brutal. The 90s were no no better. The 90s were, what was it? Vladislav Domestikov, Alexander Dag, Zibby, <laughs> Matthew Shane. Like, it was just like, this is embarrassing. Jesus. Well, look at the look at the two cover athletes coming up after our season five opener. Matt Gilroy and Victor Mete. Hey, at least one of them is on the team. 
Yes, currently. <laughs> but no, it's going to be great. And honestly, I know that we've already reached 100 episodes, but does that seem weird of the main show that we are now officially hitting up 100 episodes with that too? A little, yeah. Because we didn't start doing that until we were pretty deep in. Yeah, I think we were 38 or 39 episodes. No. No, no, no. We were like mid-30s. Mid-38. Yeah, because remember, because Trevor Shackles came on and we're talking about Patrick Leem and you're just like, he's not old enough to remember who he was. What? I don't remember saying that. <laughs> yes, go back. And Trevor's like, no, no, no. I remember Patty Leem playing for the Sens. <laughs> I might have only been five years old, but I remember him. <laughs> do I do I routinely sabotage our guests? No. No, I think the only two you did, you'd said that to Shackles, and then when Joseph St. Saint, Amore Saint came on, and you're just like, hey, how's how warm is the seat? <laughs> Other than that, you've been pretty good, man. <laughs> How warm is the seat might be one of my favorite moments. Yeah, I mean, silicone nutsack injections is up there. <laughs> oh, Kelly. God, I know. I'm amazed she ever, I'm amazed she ever follows dude. I was on Twitter after that. It was a great, it was a great episode. It was, it was. And those are the moments that I'm just like, I look back on them and I'm just like, What? It's like anytime Trevor comes on and I make things embarrassing. The barbecue chip was the weird, weirdest one. I, I had no idea where you were going with that one. I I know it's such a stream of consciousness, dude. But you know what, man? If we ever get him back on the show, I should mention that to him. Continue the trend of making things making, making things interesting weird. and making things weird. Exactly. Well, I mean, we'll have him on in a month. Well, spoiler alert, Tim. <laughs> but one thing we got to talk about for our fifth season, though, is one of the things that you and I actually talked about is we talked about having some really cool guests on the show. We talked about some stuff we got to talk about. Now, one of the big announcements we got to make right here, Tim, is that our fifth season, we are going to have a monthly co-host join us on the show. And I know you kind of spoiled it right there, but excellent on October 25th, Season 5, Episode 2, in chronological order, Episode 97, Silver Seven Sends writer and Cosper Podcast host Trevor Shackles will be joining us finally as a co-host, not a guest, as a co-host. And I was thinking about that, and I was just like, you know, because we've had co-hosts in the past. We've had Brandon Mackey, Alex Metzger, who gave us a really nice shout-out, actually, with um, Jake Rivard. We had some of these people, and... Shackles has never been a co-host with us. This is a guy who's meant so much to this podcast, and yet we've never had him as a co-host. So we've got a right or wrong right there. Yep. He's coming on. It's going to be great. To, now, in regards to other co-hosts, we don't really have a list of people that we have. We have one or two people in mind, absolutely. But nothing's official. Nothing's confirmed. So you just got to wait and see. I mean... It'll be fun times. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I was going to say right now, can you imagine episode 103, we get Mark Mathot? How yeah. amazing would that be, right? We get Meth for, as a cover athlete and a co-host. Well, that'd be sick. Uh, and we'll have to ask for a bunch of Wally story. Or just lots of good, 
Mathod probably has like hundreds of good stories between Ottawa, Columbus, and Dallas. And Dallas, yeah. Oh, dude, if we have Brett Wallace on, I want him to confirm the glass of milk story. <laughs> dude, the fact that Ian Mendes swore on the podcast, my life felt a little bit more complete knowing that. It was so good. I oh, that was like awesome. him quoting someone else dropping an F-bomb. <laughs> it was so good. It was so good. And the funny thing is, Brett Wallace totally deserved it. <laughs> he totally did. <laughs> All righty. Oh, this episode's so good, man. I'm so glad that we can come back for this. No kidding. So I know that we've been joking around for a bit here, but we got to do something kind of serious mm-hmm. and talk about our season five charity donation. Now, the last couple of seasons, when we've been doing our charity donations, we always had something affiliated with the Ottawa Centers. Now, of course, the Ottawa Centers Foundation is no longer involved with the team. So last season, in honor of the late Brian Frazier, we donated money to the Canadian Blood Services. And for season five, this was weird because you and I kind of talked about, okay, who do we want to do this donation for? Because we were thinking, okay, well, we did it for Brian Frazier. Ottawa Centers Foundation isn't around. What foundation can we really donate to? And we've had a few in mind. But we figured we got to stick with something involved with the Ottawa Senators, even though they're not directly involved, they're more of an affiliation with them. So for season five, we are going to be doing a charity donation to the Do It For Darren Foundation. Now, the charity started following the death of Darren Richardson, the daughter of Luke Richardson in November 2010. The charity is to raise awareness of teen suicide and depression. And this is honestly just a great charity to donate to because i know with covid with the pandemic mental health for youth is plummeting and even and i've said this openly in the past like well my mental health and how covid really affected it as well being at home and just being isolated and honestly this is such a great donation i'm glad that we can get or give them a hand anyway so you know in the last couple of seasons sam that we've talked about with the players it's usually brady to chuck and thomas shabbat well, there's a bit of a problem with that. We'll talk <laughs> yeah. about it later. So for this season, Tim, the two players we have chosen is Thomas Shabbat and Tam. So good to get that DJ horn in there, man. So good. So fun, yeah. So good. So just like last couple of seasons we've been doing this, the way we're going to be doing it is... I will be donating $1 for every goal. You will be donating $1 for every assist. We will both be donating $2 for a win, $5 for a shout out, for shout out, sorry, and $10 for a victory over the Toronto Maple Leafs. Or sorry, should I say the new stars of the Amazon Prime original series, all or nothing. Oh, that's rough. I know. Hey, you know what? You know what my favorite episode is so far? It was 5-1. I haven't actually watched that one. I haven't watched it either. Honestly, I've actually heard a lot of good things about it, though. Like, from people who have actually sat down to watch it, even people who aren't Toronto fans, I've read some reviews on it, and people are really, really enjoying it. And apparently, from what I'm hearing, there's some really good sense footage in there, so I'll have to check it out. But 
honestly, we're not going to sit here and do a review on it. No, yeah. seen it. But no, it's going to be great. And honestly, it's so good that we can get back into doing this charity donations. And just because of what's going on with Brady, Tim Stutzel seemed like the obvious choice to replace him for this year. And I know we're going to talk about it later, but let me tell you, man, I know it sucks about Brady, but give me Stutzla, Norris, and Batherson all day, man. That's going to be fun, man. Ah, oh, chef's kiss, man. Chef's kiss. So, Tim, I know that we spent all this time talking about our podcast, Third Line Plug. We got to talk about an organization that near and dear to our hearts, the Ottawa Senators NHL franchise. So we, we got some stuff to talk about. Now, coming into the 21-22 season, one thing that's really kind of surprised me is the Ottawa Senators are coming into their 30th season of existence. Yeah. Have you noticed at all? There is absolutely no buzz at all surrounding this. And I even made a tweet about this and I said, so are we not going to talk about the fact this is the Ottawa Senators 30th season? And the reaction was very polarizing as it would be. He says, no, this is their 29th season because of lockout and this, that next thing. Okay. Well, here's my argument for this, Tim. They counted 20, 2016, 2017, and 2017, 2018 is 25. Yeah, they counted the 2011, 2012 season as their 20th year. This technically would be the 30th. Now, I understand, look, of actual play, 29th season. Okay, I will give you that. But this is their 30th season of existence. Not even a shout out, no buzz, no excitement, no nothing about it. Yeah, it's a little weird. And actually, one of the things that at first I was like, yeah, whatever, they might do something. But one of the things that kind of looked a bit odd is that uh, did you see Pan's photo? So Pan from uh, Sense Call-Ups photos of the interior of the CTC, where they still have like, we've gone through the full jersey rebrand, new logo, all that sort of stuff. But the interior still looks still like the 2017 through 2019 teams. Like there's still like a Bang. There's like a big old mural of Clark MacArthur on the wall. That is true. And actually, I did see that as well. And you're absolutely right. And it's weird because, again, they haven't allowed fans in the building since early 2020. You would think in the time in between that, that they would have revamped the building. But apparently, even he was saying on Twitter that it was even really dirty in there. Like, it had, didn't even look like it was cleaned in a long time. Yeah. So it's like, I can get it's a little weird and part of me wonders it's just like like maybe part of it was they they couldn't have cleaners in because of certain ways that uh serb worked that might be an ex- that might be why it happened but if you're having guys in for game day you need to clean yep 100 and you're absolutely right even with the with the stuff that he was putting up on twitter about like the banners and the signs in the in the building you would think, right? Because again, there hasn't been anybody in the building in such a long time. The only people that's actually been in the in the building, the teams themselves, the media, and people that work for the teams. Yeah. So you would think, right? And obviously, you, you could point at Eugene Melnick and be like, "Oh, look at him! He's again, he's not putting money into the team, whatever." But you would think, right? Because again, you're absolutely right. They've done the jersey re, revamp. They should do the same with the building. and But, you know, I totally agree with Pan. I just kind of wish that they had already done it. 
but it's going to be weird if they start doing that during the season because fans 100% capacity they're going to be coming in and be like what the fuck is this like they haven't changed anything and it's so it's interesting because like I remember uh towards the the beginning of 2020 there uh the team was actually really really focused on revamping their arena experience. Like they're bringing in different restaurants. They're changing up the way certain things work. They're trying out different fan sections. Uh, they're trying those different shows at uh, end of first period and intermission. So it's just so bizarre that all that momentum is gone. And there was no attempt to recapture it, it seems. No, there there hasn't, but... And you would think because because they're going back to a full 82-game season, fans are back in the building, you would think they would try their hardest or even put a little bit of effort to try and make the game day experience exciting. And that's always been the big criticism with the Sens is that their game day experience is almost non-existent. Yeah. In comparison to other markets like the Vegas Golden Knights or other markets like this where the game day experience is so cool, right? And it's not just during the playoffs but it's during regular season where okay you might get a casual fan that comes out say on a thursday night they just went all right we'll go see this team play you got to make it memorable mm-hmm. it's just the sends have not done that and now keep in mind i've never been to a game at the ctc yet anyway but i'm just going off based on what a lot of people have said i know you've said the same thing to me when we've talked about this but you would think right because they should have a mindset of kind of like when the NHL came out of the lockout in 2005, they knew this was going to make or break it because a lot of fans were pissed off. A lot of fans, a lot of casual fans abandoned hockey. They were done. This is bullshit. This was gone for over a year. They should try their hardest to try and recapture those fans. Yeah. And they're just not doing it. Right. And that's really, really sad to think. Yeah. Because you're going to be welcoming fans into the building you got gotta do it with a bang hopefully by next week this isn't an issue hopefully although i will say one good thing about hockey being back in the ctc alex marchand's using tsunami again for a power play goal hell yeah i know so good i was watching the one game versus toronto and it's like signs on the power but that's what it's I back. I know. There's a, I know the world's going back to normal. It's great. Nature is healing. So, given that we talked about, like, there was no buzz surrounding the Sens' 30th season coming into this year. So, we got to talk about some players now. The big storyline Brady DeChuck's RFA status. I don't know about you. I am so exhausted going onto Twitter. This is everything that anybody's talking about. And it's amazing. And I think it was Shackles or somebody tweeted out, you know, for a new story that hasn't been leaked by the team at all. How is it that everybody seems to know that the two sides are fighting? Because you always hear, you always am hearing about how the team's trying so hard to give them their max deal. Brady DeChuck's fighting this. You hear all kinds of rumors, all kinds of sightings of this kid. Can I just say one thing, Tim? Yeah. Can we all just calm down for a minute, take a deep breath, and shut the fuck up? 
Like, I'm so, I'm sorry, but I'm so sick of this shit. Like, yeah. I get it. He's not here. He's not signed. We're going through the same thing we did when Mark Stone left, when Eric Carlson left. All these guys and people are thinking, okay, well, Brady's next. I get that. But again, you guys, I get that you want to call Brady greedy. That's fine. You want to say that Melnick's cheap. That's fine. But again, you've got to think it's going to get done. Ian Mendez said it on this show, Tim. Yeah. He doesn't think it's going to be a a long-term deal. He says there's going to be a bridge deal. Brady wants to see where this team's going to go. That's where it's going to happen. And again, I think the chalk is losing a lot of leverage when you see guys who, from a talent standpoint, who are way better than he is. I love Brady the Chuck as much as the next guy, but from a strictly talent standpoint, no, he is not worth nine mil. You well, know the other thing nine is nine mil, Leon Dreisaitl. Because of Benajad. Because of Benajad, who eight and a half, he just signed today for eight and a half million. That guy should be getting 10 mil from the Rangers right now. You look well, at all yeah. these guys getting these contracts and you're like, I love Brady Tuchuk. Again, the intangibles he brings outweighs the offensive talent, which it's not to say that he's a plug. He's got offensive talent, but the intangibles is what you're paying the big bucks for Brady Tuchuk. Well, the hard thing with Brady Tuchuk is just he plays such a toe jam style that he's going to take a million shots and like 10 of them are going to go in. Yeah. But like him being the muckraker allows so much other stuff to happen on the ice and the guy can break into a zone really well too. So like, I, I think like it right now, I'd say his talent level is pretty similar to Svechnikov. And I think an eight mil signing the Svechnikov deal is a okay. Mm-hmm. The worst thing I think that could happen to Brady Kachuk is if Tim Stutzla takes off and then all of a sudden he's Brady Kachuk has fallen to the second line. It's going to happen regardless. I mean, any if you want to look at it that way, because Tim Stutzla is so offensively talented, there's no way this kid is not going to play on the first line. Well, the other as thing about- as great as Brady Chuck is, as much of a leader, as much as what he brings to the Sens, he is not going to play over Tim Stutzla. Stutzla is going to play over Brady. And well, the other, I'm yeah. perfectly okay with that. And the other insane thing is that Watching Stutzla, Norris, and Batherson play together is it's electric. We're gonna talk about that when we talk about some of the preseason highlights. Like if that line is a thing, or even even put slotting Formanton in there has been really good. Uh, like if I could see Stutzla, he's looked really good in preseason. If he gets to that 30 goal mark, which I don't think is unreasonable this year. Like I put I like my expectation is probably going to be, it's very wide for students. So probably 15 to 30. Oh, like very wide band. There's huge variance here. Yeah. It's just going to depend whether he doesn't hit those peaks and valleys like he did last year. And Ian Mendez mentioned that too, right? Where he had how many goals in the first several games. And then he had that big lull where there was nothing. If he can avoid that, then absolutely 25, 30 goals is not out of the question. And I think Tim Stutzla, and I, now mind you, I don't know the kid personally. He is going to get a little bit bigger. And even though one, he's getting a little bit more physical, a lot of people, because he was getting thrown around last year, 
during that game against Montreal, he stood a guy up. Yeah. I watched that on, I didn't see the game, but I saw it on Twitter. And I was like, holy shit, dude. Like this kid's going to be good. Well, it's like, imagine a line with him and Batherson. Cause Batherson plays with a lot of jam too. eh? like in one of the games against the Leafs, he threw nine hits and almost ended up fighting uh, Wayne Simmons. I did. I think that was the game I saw. I remember yeah. saying like, this is, this is fantastic. And you definitely see Brady Dechuk is missing in the lineup, but you see a lot of these guys are picking up that slack. Yeah. You're seeing Batherson throw the body. You're seeing Stutzler throw the body. You're seeing Norris throw the body. You're seeing guys, well, you know, except for Batherson, that kind of suits his game. But you're seeing guys that hitting doesn't exactly suit their game of what they bring offensively. And they're throwing the body. You saw Eric Brandstrom throwing the body. You're just like, holy crap, dude. Like, all right, I didn't think you guys had this in you. And this you is forget great. that Brandstrom isn't actually that small of a guy. That is true. You because what is he? He's five ten, something like that. I thought he was at least six, but like Eric Brandstrom isn't tiny. No, he looks smaller compared to the Shabbats and Zaitsevs and those kind of guys who are what six two, six three. Yeah, Brandstrom but like, doesn't Sh- look exactly big. But then again, you have Victor Mete, and they're about the, kind of the same height, so. Actually, Branstrom's 5'9", 181 pounds. Love that guy. Yeah. Well, it's funny because, like, he's he's not small, but he's not big. And unlike Zaitsev, he doesn't play softer than baby shit. No. So I don't know how much more you want to talk about the Brady RFA status, because honestly, I'm just going to get so freaking frustrated and just get mad about it. But honestly, I think that we should just move along and talk about some other stories that happened. Now, the one big story that happened in the time between us doing an episode and today's episode, the Sens actually made a trade. And this is a trade that, honestly, I think people kind of saw coming from a mile away. The Sens send Logan Brown to the St. Louis Blues for Zach Sanford. The Sens? Yeah, sorry. Logan Brown... I'm not shocked. This is a move we saw coming a mile away because yeah. honestly, again, and we said this last year, look at who we have at center. Logan Brown's not going to make this team. And it's, he's been given a lot of chances. It's not like the Sens gave him one or two chances and they gave up on him. Mm-hmm. How many, like he's been in this organization for five years. And in that time, if there was ever a year he could have and should have made this team, it was 2018, 2019. When you look at who did we really have at center? Nobody. Chris Tierney. <laughs> that was it. Well, it's like, what's interesting? Yeah, because it was, and then like the 2019, 2020 year when Pajo was the top center. Yeah. The hard thing with, with Logan Brown is injuries always got in the way and then there was rumors that his work ethic wasn't good yeah and that was a big question that was a big red flag for a lot of people but that's been a red flag that quite honestly has stuck with him his entire time he's been in ottawa was that you there was always questions about how dedicated this guy to really his game yeah and always whether it be the energy level work ethic conditioning 
whatever it is. And you know what? Unfortunately, just just some people that maybe just don't have that in them, right? They just, they don't have that burning desire to want to make the NHL. They don't have that burning desire to really want to make a difference. And they're, unfortunately, there just are people in this world who are just content with being good. And I think, and I know, I know this is going to seem like a shot to Logan Brown, but that just kind of seems like what it was. He just seemed kind of content on just being good. But there were some injuries that did set him back. And so there was stuff going against him, but he was working against himself as well. It well was, what's insane is he cleared waivers today. So even if Zach Sanford is the most replaceable of NHL players, Ottawa wins this trade because they got an NHL player for Logan Brown to clear waivers. That means 31 other teams looked at Logan Brown and said, no, he's not worth it for free. It's crazy. And and it's funny because we're talking about Zach Sanford and I might be wrong here, but I think the Sens have been looking at Sanford for a little while now. And there was always trade rumors surrounding Logan Brown to St. Louis. And there was some names being thrown in there. There was Vince Dunn was considered, there was even rumors Tarasenko when he was still in St. Louis, Zach Sanford. I heard about this, and yeah, there was just some guys that you're thinking, okay, yeah, all right, maybe that might happen. But when we heard Zach Sanford, I was like, okay, I understand the reasoning, right? Because Brady is holding out. They need a guy in the bottom six who can maybe move to that second line if they need him. Yeah. So I get this from the Sens' point of view. I don't know if I really get it from St. Louis. Because you look, it's at the, a lottery ticket, basically. Yeah, it's just it's magic beans at that point. It's okay. Can we recuperate something with this kid? That's basically it. Is uh, you're taking someone who might, who you kind of know, who it, who has kind of uh, not hit all the targets you want him to. Yep. And honestly, isn't a bad player for this guy if he gets his stuff together will be very good the thing is is like if he's if he proves himself in like st louis's ahl affiliate that's gonna be rough because if he does prove himself he's not probably not making it through waivers on the way back no so i think st louis even if logan brown ends up becoming a full-time nhler and a, a good nhler they might not be able to sneak him back onto the blues no Honestly, no, they wouldn't. And honestly, with the departure of Logan Brown, that's the end of the 2016 draft class for the Sens. I got to say, in recent memory, was there ever more of a disappointing draft class the Sens had than 2016? Because outside of Logan Brown, who really was taken in that draft? That you Is that could... the one we took Colin White? No, that's 2015. Right. I was in the up. first round. Yeah, 2016, we traded Jonathan Dowlin, Mac. we traded Max Lajoie, and then Burgess and Nurmi never really did anything. Yeah, so Logan Brown really was maybe the key out of that, but again, just couldn't put it together in the NHL. A lot of stuff went against him, a lot of stuff went against himself. Honestly, it's fine. I didn't really have any comments on the trade. Although what's interesting about uh, Lajoie, Lejoie's, we did end up getting uh, Clark Bishop out of that. Yep. And Lejoie also, I think Lejoie cleared la- waivers today for Carolina. Oh. So if Clark Clark Bishop, who 
honestly looked quite good in that fourth, fifth center role. Mm-hmm. We managed to get something out of that draft. It like the 2016 draft was kind of rough. Yep. And otherwise, yeah. It's interesting because like the 2017 draft, despite having only four picks, it's turned out pretty well for the Senators. Uh, Shane Bowers was converted into uh, Duchesne. And then Formanton and Batherson have been yeah. great. So two out of four. Who was the other guy? Uh, Jordan Hollett, who uh, is hasn't played since 2019 when he aged out of the WHL. Hmm. So I think we it's safe to say that that sixth rounder is nothing. And yeah, it's like that 2016 draft has been, like the hard thing is, is it's actually like it is sandwiched between uh, the 2015 draft where we got Shabbat White, uh, Flip Schlopik, uh and Joey Decord got taken. And that 2017 where we got two or four. And then 2018 where it looks like uh, Chuck. Bernard Docker, Mandelies, and maybe one of Crookshank and Gruden will, will pan out. No, Gruden's not even on that. Oh, Gruden's not even on that. I think Gruden got traded. Oh, right. He's Pittsburgh. He is playing in Pitt. It looks like he might play in Pittsburgh this year. Yeah. So that's three out of three out of eight that developed into some into an NHL player. And Angus Crookshank still might. Yeah, he's uh, he's an iffy one right now because I know even in the preseason, there's a preseason training camp, one of the two. Yeah. He looked he looked all right. But he's a fifth rounder, right? Something like that, yeah. So it's like, yeah, yeah that 2016 draft is going to look kind of bad. 100%. So, Tim, let's turn our attention away from the what-ifs to some roster players on the Ottawa Senators. And then we're going to start off with Colin White. This was a guy who he was primed to have a bounce back season. He's now out four to six months with a shoulder injury. And it's a bad enough shoulder injury that that might be Colin White's career. Yeah, it's a shame, right? Because Colin White was one of those guys fans had a lot of hope for. And it's funny, Mm -hmm. and you talked about the 2015 draft with him and Shabbat. That World Juniors, you want to talk about two guys who carried both of their countries on their back in the tournament. Because I think who was a Colin white led in, he was either Colin white led in points and Shabbat won the MVP or yeah. the other way around. I can't remember which one again, but yeah. And then of course, Ottawa got both of them and they're like, Oh my God, this is amazing. And it's a shame, right? Cause Colin white had flashes of really good play in Ottawa. He was a guy that again, I did have high hopes for him. I thought, okay, maybe we might get a legit number one center out of him. But then when you see the Shane Pintos, the Nor- Josh Norris's guys like that who came up and you're just like, oh, shit. Don't know where he's going to fit in on this team now. Well, it's like the thing about Colin White is he's very defensively responsible. Like he would be an ideal third line center. But the issue with him is just that contract. The, it's the contract and the injury issues. And I really like Colin White as a player. He has, when he's on, he's really on. And when he's off, he's not bad. No. And like, that's perfect for your top nine. And it's a shame because like, yeah, he is a a really good pivot. And it was funny because like for the past two years, 
at least on the fancy stats, one of his comparables was Gaudreau. Like Gaudreau at his worst. So it's like, if we're going to bring in Gaudreau, who's still declining, there's no point because we have Colin White. Sorry, we have Johnny Gaudreau at home. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. And, you know, like Colin White was a guy, because him and Chris Tierney, it was always kind of iffy who was going to get that third C spot. And honestly, I would have picked Colin White. I just don't, because Tierney doesn't have the offensive skills to pull yeah. it off. But, and it really sucks because, again, and you're saying that it might be the end of his career. And that's just sad. That's a shame, man. Because Colin White seemed like such a good guy off the ice, good good player on the ice. It's unfortunate. But the, the Ottawa Senators, in response to this, did go out and sign Tyler Ennis to a one-year, nine hundred thousand dollars contract. He was a gut. Tyler Ennis is one of those guys. You know, on on every team, you'll always have that bottom six guy that maybe only plays a year for your team. Fans really loved. And fans really liked what he brought to this tape. Tyler Ennis was that guy for me. When Ennis played for the Sens, I believe in what year did he play? Uh, 1920. 1920. I remember if you go back and listen to any of the season four episode or season three episodes, sorry. I always said Tyler Ennis like is a good little player and he's such a cheap contract. He brings a lot to that bottom six. And yeah, I was sad to see him go, but I'm happy that they brought him back because honestly it's the same management that he had when he was in Ottawa the first time they're bringing him back they know what he can bring to this team and it's pretty good I enjoy it and what's funny is uh at least on the fancy stat side Tyler Ennis had one of his best seasons since sorry had his best season since his time in Buffalo we're talking like almost like point plus eight x goals yeah like that's eight percent uh x goals compared to neutral and like almost two two to three points an hour like that's he was good Mm -hmm. Uh, and his play in toronto was also pretty darn good the year before it was just he didn't really fit in edmonton because he wasn't getting the penalty power play time and he wasn't getting to play with uh, i think he actually got stuck with uh kyle turris who i think is also on waivers that's that's just sad, man. Kyle Turris, how far he has fallen since his days in Ottawa. Yeah, it was it was weird. Like, as soon as he got traded, just the bottom fell out. Yeah, and but then again, and you know, and you and I have talked about this on the show in the past. Like, how many of these guys seem to have their best years in Ottawa, but then when they leave, the bottom falls out. Whether yeah. it be a Kyle Turris, you could I mean, you could throw Eric in there if you want. There's a few other players that. From an offensive standpoint, you're just like, oh, shit. What was it about Ottawa that the, the Sens got that out of them? Couldn't tell you. But, yeah, no, it's I'm happy to see Ennis stick around. The bottom six for the Senators looks kind of scary, though, just with all those injuries. Because, like, like on top of uh, Colin White and Austin Watson was actually hurt in the last game. So Austin Watson's out for a month. Uh, we don't know how long Clark Bishop is gone. And Clark Bishop would have been one of those nice guys to have up. The Sens would have loved to have Ridley Gregg. But I'm not sure they can call him back now that he, they sent him to the WHL. Yeah. Well, in the end, he's now the new captain of the Brandon Wheat Kings. Nice. Yep. Honestly, I was going to say, what about um, Igor Sokolov? A lot, of, a lot of people have been championing him to come onto the team. From what I was reading last night, it didn't seem like he's 100% ready to make the NHL full-time, though. He was pretty invisible through the preseason games. 
Yeah. Which I think he needs a bit of seasoning. How big that guy is too. You would think a guy who's what six, six or six, seven or whatever he is that he would not be invisible, but you know, then again, look at Logan Brown, right? Logan Brown, six, six and look how invisible he was. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Do we have any other player motion notes? Ottawa has one player on waivers and that they brought in from Anaheim. I don't think he gets claimed. He probably just plays. Well, I know for yourself, I know you would love to see Michael Delzato, but. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is Michael Delzato got outplayed. Like, I think he got jumped by pretty much everyone except for Zaitsev. But I don't think Zaitsev leaves the roster. No. So I know that we don't really have any player notes to comment. I think the only thing we talk about is really talk about the preseason, talk about some thought, give our thoughts, some notes that we have. So I'm just going to go ahead and say right now, I really haven't watched any of the preseason. I maybe watched one game versus Toronto. And that was the one where they won it like the final, final minute or whatever yeah. it was. But honestly, there's a few guys I want to talk about here. Cause I know people have been really praising them. One guy, and I mentioned it just a few minutes ago, Shane Pinto. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sorry, was Shane Pinto not our number two center to end last year? Because I saw a lot of people on Twitter like, oh, yeah, man, he's our, we finally have our number two center. And I'm sitting there like, that makes no fucking sense. Didn't he play with Stutzla and Connor Brown in the year last year? Am, am I missing something here? I think a lot of people are like, oh, I think there was a lot of people are like, wait and see can he repeat that and uh the man was on a mission for training camp and uh, we're and preseason we're gonna see what that looks like in in the regular season and if he continues that and uh, from what dj smith has said the guy is calm beyond his years so he's not just playing he might not just be on and i honestly doubt he's on kind of uh, an adrenaline gotta make it pant burner the dude is here and uh, if he continues to play like a bat, mm-hmm. Ottawa's top six is once Brady Kachuk signs, almost completely solidified. Yep. The question is, it, I guess the real question is, is how much do you believe in Connor Brown and Drake Batherson on the right? Honestly, I would say I have a lot of faith in Batherson on the right side, top line. Connor Brown, I think if you have the right kind of expectations for him, I think he can perform. And I think that was kind of the problem for him last year was that we put expectations on him that maybe were a little bit unrealistic because we were only comparing to what he did the year previous. Right. So he comes in the last year and go back and listen again, go back and listen to any episode we talked about Connor Brown had a breakaway doesn't miss or doesn't score. And it's like, okay, so he can't finish. Okay. Well, not every guy can finish in the NHL. It's nice if he can finish, but it just took a little while for him to actually find that scoring touch last year. Mm-hmm. Because I, but like how much I of think, that really was that he was playing with Stutzla and Pento at the end of last year, though? How much of that really was a big effect? Of I think that helps a lot. Although he did, like Connor Brown did, Connor Brown and Nick Paul actually looked pretty good at the international championships too. No, you're absolutely right. Like Connor Brown had an amazing World Championships playing with Nick Paul. And I love, by the way, I love the selfie in the locker room with those two guys. It was so fun. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's awesome that they're, they're back. And uh, I guess one of the hopes is uh, if 
someone does really step up and ends up in that second line right wing role. Uh, Nick Paul and Carter Brown form a really good third line. And it's a shame that Colin White was injured because if you had Brown, White, and Paul, that would be an excellent modern checking line. Oh, 100%. Now, another guy I actually want to talk about, and I know people were praising him on Twitter, was Alex Formatin. Now, I know a lot of people were praising him. I didn't get a chance to watch any of his games, but I know you got a chance to watch some of it. So what was your thoughts on Alex Formatin? Like, I know with Brady to Chuck holding out right now, do you see maybe Formatin's on the second line left wing with? Yeah, easy. Easy? Yeah, Formatin, he could probably, the guy has speed to burn, I know Ian Mendez is saying uh, Ryan Dezingle is a comparable, at least on that development trend. Is the guy's got wheels. Sometimes he's a bit too fast for his own good. I think he has better hands than Dezingle, though. Well, he and does. I, and I know that's what we've, we talked about even last season, talk about Formington, was that you're right. His, like, his hands can't keep up with his feet. Yeah. But I think uh, the Formington most underrated skill is his understanding of the game because he always seems to be in the right place. He's very good at getting the puck on his stick and then just going. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's why I could see Alex Formanton maybe fitting into like definitely being able to fit into that uh, second line role. If you ask him to. Yeah. Uh, Especially with how uncertain it is with the Chuck camp right now. Right. So you never know, maybe opening night next week, we're going to see a top line of Stutzland Norris bath, Formatin, Pinto, Connor Brown. Yeah. And that's honestly not a bad top six. The problem is, is that bottom six is going to have issues because as we're saying, there's been a rash of injuries in training camp for the senators. And it's funny because it's all the, Ottawa was pretty thin on center to begin with. And it's been a lot of, they've lost two centers. Yeah. But I mean, I know we were talking about this before we hit record today was that the Ottawa senators, they might be looking at somebody on waivers, right? I know even you said Bruce Garriock said, yeah, keep an eye on the waiver wire. Cause the sentence might be adding somebody. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that, that has happened that a lot of sense fans are at least interested in is uh bar, bar, brule, bar, Barre Brule has been waived by Tampa. Mm-hmm. Although most people think he won't make it to Ottawa because Ottawa is ninth in waiver order. Part of me is just like, who? Never. Uh, there seems to be a lot of interest in him. Okay. So I, we're, sorry, I'm just going to move along here and talk about some other guys that we talked about. Now, the one thing that we talked quite a bit about last season was the inconsistency play in goal. That doesn't seem like it was much of an issue in the preseason as it wasn't just Matt Murray or Philip Gustafson looking good. It was both. Both of them looked pretty solid from what I was seeing. Yeah, I'm very happy with uh, both those players. And honestly, Anton Forsberg didn't look terrible either. It is a bit of a shame that Gustafson can't be up here playing backup though. But I'm glad that he'll get another year at starter AHL and, uh, Someone a goalie's going to get injured, and that's how Goose is going to find his way. Honestly, yeah, I think. Well, are you of the belief that it'll be Murray and Forsberg to start the year? I uh, Gustafson's been assigned, oh, has so he? it will be uh, Murray. Yeah, it will be Murray Forsberg to start the year. Well, that's a thing, and I mean, say if Anton Forsberg doesn't have a good season, 
you never know. Phil Gustafson might be up on the big club sooner than we think, right? And honestly, if he's backing up Matt Murray, who a lot of people criticized him last year, and rightfully so, but that's the one thing even when I was reading on Twitter was that, yeah, he looks a lot more calm in the net. Gustafson seems a lot more calm in the net. And that's a very, very positive sign going forward, right? Because, again, look at how we played last year. You hear all these good things about them this year. It's honestly really good. I actually want to talk about a couple of the defensemen. Thomas Shabbat, some people were kind of mixed on what they really thought about him in the preseason. Some are saying he looks like he's doing too much. From what I saw, he looked pretty good in that one game I saw him in. But overall, like, what was your thoughts on Thomas Shabbat in the preseason? Outside of one very big whoopsie in the Toronto game that kind of sealed that one, I've liked Thomas Shabbat. Uh, him and Zub make a very good top pair. Zub, Zub. Maybe I'm overspeaking with very good, but they, they work well together. The puck is usually moving the right way. And uh, Zub and Shabbat can stop a cycle and keep things moving. So I've been happy with Thomas Shabbat. We definitely need a bit more offense out of him. Um, but for a, for Ottawa's top defenseman, I can see why uh, the expectations are higher. So the criticism is definitely more fierce. Mm-hmm. And I know that was something even last year that I don't think the criticism was quick on him last year because you watched Thomas Shabbat to start the year last year and he kind of got off to a bit of a slow start. It didn't really seem like much was happening to him. Then he got hurt. But another guy I want to talk about, this is a guy he's gotten a lot of attention on since Twitter is Eric Brandstrom. And again, he was a guy, he looked fantastic to finish last season. And again, it just looks like DJ Smith is putting him back on a short leash to start this preseason, which is ridiculous because Brandstrom has been Ottawa's best defenseman that is not named Zuber Shabbat. Like, it's not even close. Like, Brandstrom's the only guy who can run a power play out of the bottom six guys. Uh, he gets out of the zone efficiently and can hold the blue line. And, yeah, no, it's it's not even close. I. If you have to choose between Mete and Brandstrom because you signed Michael Delzato to a dumb shit contract, I think you have to choose Brandstrom. You do. And and you know what? Not just because Brandstrom is younger, but also... He's better. He is better. He You see it firsthand. You see the smart skating, puck handling. It's not to say Victor Mete is a plug himself. But he's very good, but he is a notch or two below Brandstrom. Yeah, the problem is... is the organization signed another fucking plug. Okay, do you want to talk about Michael Delzato? Yeah, he I fucking sucks. You were very critical about this signing, and you even said to Ian Mendez, why did they do this? And it, this is what everybody's been saying. Okay, why did we sign Delzato when, you know, you had Eric Branson a few years ago, who, or last year, who sucked. You had Ron Hainsey, who sucked previous before him. Yeah, Johnny Oduya. Johnny Oduya. I get it. I get people's criticism of Delzato. I was not open-minded to it. I was just like yourself. I said, why are we signing this guy? And everybody wants him gone already. The problem is, and Sean Simpson said it best, the IQ is not there. And I don't know about, I don't know if he's physically conditioned for a whole season. Okay. Can we, the guy is Can we slow. talk about this for a sec? I can't believe we live in a world where we are agreeing with Sean, Sean Simpson, Simpson of all people. His eyes are right on this one. 
Yeah. Well, I the funny thing is, like, Sean Simpson has come around on Brandstrom. Mm-hmm. Have you seen what his top 60 for this season looked like? It was like, it's to the point where the guys he sat were Zaitsev and MDZ. Like, straight up. Yeah, and, like, that's the biggest problem is the guys, the guy got spun eight ways from Sunday last night. Like, he couldn't, couldn't, couldn't even really put himself in the right place in the ice. Like, some of the games against Montreal, it's like, okay, his, defic- his positioning is fine. It makes up for the fact that he's lost a step now that he's on the wrong side of 30. Yep. But playing against, like, Toronto, even against, like, their third line, like, he was getting spun by Mikheyev. That's... Yeah, that's just sad, man. Like, no, MDZ is not... MDZ and Nikita Zaitsev are not NHL defenders. No. I would play Josh Brown over both of them. And Josh Brown, people thought he... I thought he looked decent. He was okay. At the end of last year. I know some people said, oh, he looked really good at finish last year. To me, he just looks like a much taller and less good Mark Mathot. That's what he just looks like. Yeah. Not just because he wear number three, but when you see him play, he just looks like a taller, not as good version of Mark Mathod. That's exactly who he was. And Josh Brown's preseason has been uninspiring. So, like, here's hoping DJ Smith makes the right roster moves. Yeah. And he can tell Pierre, if Pierre Dorian's leaning on him to play their $2 million for two-year defensive signing, he tells him to fuck off. Yeah, that just that makes no sense. That's Such just- a bad contract it's and here's the thing where i actually do have faith in dj smith gabranson got sat eventually and i think gabranson would have got sat faster if they had a preseason oh yeah well what about even look at Braden colburn mm-hmm. yeah he was sat immediately so it's like i think uh dj smith is willing to sit vets mm. And I think I could see a MDZ setting. And the Sens are so thin on right defense that Zaitsev might just have to play. Yeah, and that's the shitty thing. And I know even in the offseason, there was a lot of people who were pushing Ottawa to try and go after a Dougie Hamilton. But it's like, they're not going to go after him. They're not going to give him that money. But they again, <laughs> you got to realize that's a freaking unicorn right there. A good right-handed defenseman. And he he probably would have been willing to come to, to Ottawa. He signed with flipping New Jersey. Yeah. Like he would have been willing to come here. Yeah, because that was the two teams that were rumored he was gonna go to, Ottawa and Jersey. Yeah, like if they had offered him the like, yeah, if instead of signing freaking Del Zotto, they signed Dougie Hamilton. The Senators would be a night and day different team. Yeah. Because, like, could you imagine Shabbat Hamilton or even like Shabbat Zub Brandstrom Hamilton? Do you see? Yeah, but Hamilton wouldn't have been a a fourth defenseman, though. He would have been. No, or you could play like Shabbat Shabbat Hamilton and then Brandstrom Zub or Brandstrom Holden. Or Shabbat Brandstrom. Whoever the fuck you want, also. Zub. Yeah. Well, it's just like that team would be. Like that defense core would be leagues better, mm-hmm. but who cares about what ifs, right? It's true. 
The only what if, Tim, is the fact is, yeah, fuck it, there is no what if here. I'm just excited. We get to see season five. Season At five, let's go. Yeah. But it's like, I really hope, like, actually one player I was really impressed with in a short amount of ice was Nick Holden. Okay, now this was a guy I know you pumped a bit on Twitter, and he was a guy that I didn't know much about. Okay, we knew he was on the taxi squad in Vegas, comes over in the dad and off deal. Not a bad trade, I think, now looking at it, but I just didn't know anything about him, right? He's very intelligent on the ice. Like, he's going to be a defender who you probably don't worry too much at 34 Mm -hmm. because the brain is still there. Like, he kind of knows that, yeah, the, the foot speed is gone. Yeah. Branstrom Holden as a pair was fantastic. Like, prop, like if we went to uh, Shabbat, Zub, Branstrom Holden, Mete, Zaitsev, or Mete Brown, I would be very fine with that. Yeah, yeah, I'd be cool with that. Because, like, the thing about Holden is he may not be fleet of foot, but he sees the game very well gets into position very easily and he has a great first pass. So it's like a very, it reminds me of, it's just a very steady play. It's kind of like, I don't want to say Anton Strahlman. Yeah. Because like, like Holden is probably a top four guy at best. Probably on a better team, he would be top six or taxi squad. Yeah. But uh, no, I do like that pairing. Uh, and I would play Holden above, like, I'd, yeah, I'd play him above MDZ and Zaitsev. Oh, 100%. 100%. So, Tim, I don't have any more comments to make on our preseason if you just want to close it out for another episode. Um, do you think it's funny that uh, Ottawa didn't claim back <laughs> Logan Brown? Can you imagine? That would actually be pretty funny, yeah. I agree. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug, Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it, because believe me, Tim and I love recording them for you. We're on the National Podcast Network. You can find our page on nationalpodcast.network, where you can find our links to iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. We're also on Twitter, at Third Line Plug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at M901HoneyBadger, and I'm at GreatWhiteGipster, G-R-8-W-I-T-E, Gipster. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about the Ottawa Senators preseason, our season preview show, or you just want to shoot us an email to say Zoom, shoot us an email, thirdoutplugsuncast at gmail.com. You know what's really exciting, Tim? Yeah. Next week we get together, we get to actually talk about some Ottawa Senators hockey. Oh, shit. It's back, baby. The Sens are back. Woo! Oh, so good. So good. Until then, guys, I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jensen. Go, Sens, guys. <laughs>